episode of the Clothes Making Mavens is sponsored by Needle Sharp. Take the guesswork out of sewing with Needle Sharp's curated monthly kits that contain everything you need to sew a gorgeous garment. Take 10% off your first order with the promo code CLOTHESMAKINGMAVENS. Visit needle-sharp.com. This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. Hey there, this is Lori from frivolousatlast.com. I'm just checking in to let you know that in this episode, Helena has a great interview with Emily from emilyhallman.com. Emily first caught our eye with her beautifully color-coordinated Instagram account. She has this set of dress forms that she uses to display her clothing collections against the backdrop of her crisp white-walled studio. Each collection she does is themed, so it might be based on a color such as cobalt blue, or a pattern such as gingham, or say, black and white. Have you seen Emily's gorgeous collections of handmade clothes? Okay, seriously, go check them out right now. I'm gonna wait right here while you do. <laughs> Emily's images are so stunning that she's grown her Instagram following to almost 30,000 followers. On her blog, she shares how she previously ran her own clothing line, but now she focuses on her personal sewing. Following along as she plans and creates her collections is so fun and inspiring, and she's got lots of people thinking about their sewing plans in a whole new way. Mimi G from Mimi G Style, who we heard from last episode, has been trying out the color collection concept recently too, and if you've seen them, you'll know the results are gorgeous. So, coming up, an interview with Emily Hallman, and later in this episode, Barbara Emodi is checking in. Do you ever get that bird's nest problem? You know, that inexplicable giant knot of thread at the beginning of a line of stitching? So frustrating. Well, Barbara's solved the problem for you. Do you ever get breaking serger threads? Barbara's got tips for that too. Do you need a quick way to transfer complicated pattern markings on shirt plackets? Barbara's got you covered on that as well. Plus a bunch of other great sewing tips. But first, let's hear how Emily Hallman puts her collections together and how she developed her strong sense of style. She even drops some names of where she finds her beautiful fabrics. Hi, Emily. Thanks so much for joining us in Clothes Making Mavens. My pleasure. <laughs> we are excited to hear about your blog, your sewing history, and your sewing style, which I think is really unique. And it obviously has really struck a chord with a lot of people because you have 24,000 Instagram followers, which... <laughs> Is pretty impressive for a sewing uh, specific Instagram. You know, like everything on your Instagram is really sewing related, it but is. I can't imagine those 24,000 are all sewing and stuff too. It's just you have such a beautiful collection that everyone wants to look at them. How have you, how have you grown that? Well, it's crazy. And first of all, thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I'm happy to be here. I could talk about sewing all day and style Yay. and color and, and all of those things. So I'm really excited to, uh, to dive in and get started. But um, Instagram is, is a crazy, crazy platform. Um, I think it is absolutely magnificent for people who are in a visual area. So for people like us who sew and create things and then wear them, you know, that is all visual. So Instagram gives us a platform to really show that well. Um, and I joined Instagram two or three years ago and didn't really think much about strategy or, or anything like that. Um, it's only been in the past couple of years that I've really figured out what works on Instagram and I've really defined myself as a brand because I think if you're going to join Instagram or Facebook or the sewing community or the blogging community um, and your goal is to kind of go beyond just sharing what you make, you know, if you want to be, be a leader in some area, if you've got knowledge to share, if you've got, uh, if you've got something to say, you sort of want to set yourself apart. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you do that? Um, so I've just sort of figured out based on engagement and what people like, what they respond to um, over time, what works. When I started my blog, it was actually um, 
almost two years ago. Uh, I was about a year off of closing my business that I had had for five years. I took some time off after that and started the blog as sort of a wardrobe building experiment because I had no clothes in my closet. So when I had my business, it was all about investing every spare penny and second and ounce of energy into building that business and nurturing it and doing all the things that you have to do as an entrepreneur. Um, so I had nothing. I was I had some workout clothes and a couple pairs of jeans and some old t-shirts. And so um, I thought, okay, here's an opportunity. I need some clothes and I know how to make them. Let's, let's do this. Let's get started. Um, and so that's, that's what I did. So this whole blogging and sharing it and sewing for myself thing is that it is, it's me building my wardrobe from scratch on my own. When I started blogging, there were not as many bloggers as there are now. We're kind of getting to a point where it's a very saturated, uh, little group and there's, there's a lot of, lot of voices out there and that's great. But when I started, no one had, like, there was uh, a similarity to what everyone was doing. It was pretty much the same thing. And I just sort of thought, okay, we, we got to mix this up a little bit. What can I bring here to maybe just do it a little bit differently? And different doesn't necessarily mean better. It just means different and fresh. And I thought, okay, I know how to design collections and put fabrics together put colors together. Let me apply that to building my wardrobe. And so that's that's exactly what I did. It really seemed to hit a chord with people because <laughs> they love it. And I love scrolling your Instagram because you can see the phases. Yes. Like you got your pink phase, you got your blue phase, you got your black and white phase. And it's such a refreshing and organized, like visually organized way to convey this, these things that, um, I, my Instagram feed is a big mishmash of whatever. And, and that's part of the reason why I'm like trying to figure out what my style is because I look right. at that and I'm like, well, no wonder I don't know how, <laughs> what to put on in the morning. Goodness. It's, right. it is not cohesive. Right. So, so your business before making, you were making designing clothes and yes. you had a, a small business. Um, did you have those in boutiques? I had a few things in boutiques for a while. I had pop-up shops here and there. We did trunk shows all the time. Um, I had a lot of local clients um, who I did custom work for. At one point, I offered alterations and uh, dabbled in bridal as well at a manufacturer up in Dallas uh, who you know handled a lot of the things that we sold in every collection but would introduce in new colors each season. Oh, yeah. Um, but I also had um, seamstresses and a couple of interns that, that just helped me with everything. So I had a business for about five years, and um, it was great. Uh, I will be the first to tell you, though, that I'm not an entrepreneur, and I am okay with that. <laughs> yeah, it, it that is, is such a specific s- skill set. It is. It, it doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with being a great designer, being a great creative. You know, and... There are some people who have all of those skills and enjoy doing it. You know, they enjoy the, you know, business ownership is very, very dry. There are a lot of very mundane, everyday things that you have to do. And some people, you know, enjoy that part of it and are also very creative and can do both simultaneously. I just didn't love it enough to keep going, to keep doing it. You know, so at some point you kind of have to say, okay, is the stress of doing all this really worth it? And I did it for five years, and then I thought, I don't want to keep doing this anymore. You know, um, so I just said, I, I think that this is great experience, but let's uh, let's move on and and do something else. So, and I am okay with it. I'm a much better blogger than I ever was a business owner. But it's funny because when you move into blogging and you have a goal of putting yourself out there as a brand, mm-hmm. you know, and if you want to get noticed and you want to do things and you have goals within the sewing community, working with brands, 
growing your audience, any number of things, then you're also kind of running it like a business, you know, to brand yourself and to market yourself and to think about your projects how, as they present themselves on Instagram, for example, you just mentioned scrolling through my feed. Yeah. I wanted it to look like there was a story there, you know, like there oh, was yeah. context there. Okay. So this spring it was all about uh, coral, you know, or, or whatever. And she did this, this, and this. And then maybe um, I was focusing on embroidery for a while. You know, I want people to be able to scroll through that and be able to pick out content bundles, so to speak, and go, oh, okay, this is, there's some value in this and I can see exactly what she has been working on and, and put out there. And I wanted it to make sense, um, which is not to say that everybody needs uh, a color story all the time, but yes, they do. <laughs> it's amazing. It's <laughs> okay. my favorite part. All right. Well, we, I, I love that. I am uh, so big on color and, and all of that, that I will always, always love that. But yes, yeah, so I wanted it, I wanted it to be, um, I wanted it to be kind of obvious, you know, what I was doing and what I was working on. I, I can very clearly define what my weaknesses are, but I can also tell you what my strengths are. And if you're putting yourself out there, again, if you've got goals and things that you want to do, display those strengths, make it obvious, drive it home. Um, and so color is probably a big one. Fabric is another, and just kind of putting it, putting all those pieces together. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really glad that that, that that comes across. And plus it's just so much fun. It is so much fun to look at those colors and just be inspired and, uh, you know, be inspired to sew because ultimately that's, that's why I'm doing this your inspiration really comes through. Like, it looks like you're having fun. It doesn't, it is very cohesive. You can see that you are putting some thought into things and you have a story to tell, but it does look like you're having fun. I love the pictures of you wearing the clothes, for example. Like, you look really happy. Like, you're really going to wear those things. And I love that. And so I wanted to ask you, I'm sure designing collections for clients and things is very different from Mm -hmm. you evolving your style and your style is really clear. It looks like you've really got that dialed in. You probably wear those clothes and and they fit into your lifestyle. So I was just wondering how you found that and how you define that so clearly for yourself. Number one, uh, trial and error. Mm-hmm. And plenty of uh, mishaps along the way. Um, I have always been drawn to sort of a vintage-inspired silhouette, you know, with a cinched-in waist and a, a full skirt. Um, I have a very hourglass body type, so that particular silhouette works well for me. I dabbled in the literal interpretation of like 50s vintage looks for a little while when I first first started college and through that learned that okay I can do without the literal look because I think it comes across as very costume Uh, but my takeaway was okay this silhouette works well for me and I feel great in it so let's just stick with that and then and then grow from there um, so I've always loved big full skirts and, you know, pretty dresses and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, I've, I've tried things that are maybe a little edgier, uh, yeah. tried things that are maybe a little more bohemian. And I can put elements of that particular style into what I'm doing. But I know for me what I feel good in. Mm-hmm. And I think that how you feel is probably more important than how you look. Because you're never going to please everyone, and that should never be the goal anyway. I don't care what anyone else thinks. There was a time uh, when I did, and when I was really, really concerned with, okay, what are people going to think about this? Now I don't care. It does not matter to me what anyone thinks about the dress that I'm going to show you next week or, or anything like that. Because if I feel good in it, then that comes across, and that's all that matters. Because I feel like life is way too short to be worried about anything other than how you feel and how you are presenting yourself. 
to the world because there's no better opportunity to show yourself and make an impression than through how you get dressed every I know. Day. Isn't it fun? Yeah. Yes. That's I the agree. best way to show a little bit of your personality and, and just, you know, kind of what you value and what you like and, and all that. Yeah. You've done yeah, a great job of that. So let's talk about the, the collections and how yes. you put those together. Like really, how do you put those together? I think it's fascinating how you can incorporate these prints into your collection and still make it cohesive with the colors with the, and make it really cohesive um, and how you could really make an emotional statement with your color which you really do well, um, how, how do you mix that up like that? And also, where do you get all that beautiful fabric? It's so gorgeous. <laughs> we all want to know. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, first of all, where the fabric comes from, and then we'll go back to uh, the prints and the collections and, and the cohesive part. Um, I have always loved fabric. Um, you know, again, the colors and the prints and the texture and, and all of that and putting them together um, is just nothing but nothing but fun for me. So I shop for fabric pretty much all the time. Um, I, I can go, which I know is, is sounds super funny, but I can go for a long time without buying anything. You know, I can go three or four months without buying anything and, and that's fine. But then I'll spend a good bit of money on fabric all at once. And then it goes in my stash. So I am someone who likes to keep a stash um, because that's where my inspiration comes from. And it's easier for me if I have an idea for a garment or a group of garments to have fabric on hand, because if something comes up and I go, oh, I need this color of, uh, of linen, or, you know, if I'm looking for something very specific, I can never find it. <laughs> so, I know. so to get I know. around that frustration, I just get things uh, if it fits in my budget, uh, when I see it, if I can. Mm -hmm. So I like to have a stash and it's the first place that I go when I have an idea or, or I want to do something. I'll say, okay, what, what, what's in my stash? How can I put, put some things together? And so, um, my stash is actually not huge. I've got, I've got a closet in my, in my studio with some, uh, four or five shelves on it. And I won't let myself get more fabric than can fit in that closet. So I'll use a lot and then I'll fill it back up. So it stays pretty full, but I won't let myself get tubs out or have fabric anywhere else other than that closet because it's, there's plenty in there and, and that's, that's what I can use. Um, so I like to have a fabric stash and I shop, you know, I, I, I I'm always looking. Um, I'm not always buying, but I'm always looking. So that's, that's where it starts is my stash. And, um, I, I can pull a bunch of things and put them together because I have them. Uh, sometimes if I'm putting a collection together and I work in advance, so I'll make the collection that I'm working on now, I'm already too ahead of it. I'm already thinking that far in advance. So if there's something that I need, I'll look for it. You know, so for just about every collection, I'll buy something as I, mm -hmm. as I need it, if I can find it. But um, putting the prints together and putting the collections together comes so naturally to me. I, that's all I can say about it. I don't know how to explain it other than... <laughs> that's not, that's not mean, good tip. <laughs> what if we're not as talented as you, Emily? <laughs> I bet you are. I bet you are. It's in there. Um, I'm, I'm just always thinking about color and, and how color works, works together. And putting the prints together is something that I think anybody could do because it's just all about scale and proportion and making sure that things balance, Okay. you know, and a lot of that, uh, is really applied to if you're designing a collection to sell to a specific target market, when we're sewing for ourselves, the rules are whatever we make them. So there, there are new rules. Do what you want. Make what you want. Use what fabrics you want. I just like the, the additional challenge of making things work together. And for me, building a wardrobe is coming together in a much better way, thinking about it on the whole. Instead of, you know, let's say 
uh, Vogue releases a new collection of patterns and I really like something and then turn around immediately and make it and, and like get into that habit. And I did that for a while. When I first started my blog, I was just kind of like, okay, what, what do I like? What, what's pretty? And I ended up making a string of things that a lot of them I don't even have anymore. I gave them away because they didn't work. And I don't, it just, it, I didn't think about um, how I didn't think about my closet. I didn't think about what would really work for my lifestyle. I was just kind of making things. And it's so funny that, that I did that for a while because what I had learned and was trained to do in college and then what I applied when I was in business was the opposite, was doing things in collections and thinking about things, you know, on a, on a bigger scale. So I flipped that switch back, back pretty quick and, uh, and just started thinking about things as they worked together. And so when I, when I do a collection, it's not meant to be a standalone capsule, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It's meant to, it's meant to be fun. It's my way of making sewing clothes just super, super fun, you know, but there are pieces from each collection that work with pieces from every other collection. So eventually it builds on itself and then you've got a closet full of stuff that hopefully, hopefully works. Mix and match pieces and dresses that really work for you and work for your lifestyle. Um, you know, so there will be a, a blouse or, or something in, in one collection that is an essential piece. So, for example, a white blouse. I still don't have a classic, essential, basic white blouse. And so the first thing, yeah, exactly. The first thing that I'm going to make uh, when I get to uh, my next collection is that because uh, I, it's, it's a head scratcher about, I don't know why I don't have that yet, but I'm going to fix it. <laughs> I never buy white fabric or black fabric because I always think it's so boring. And when I go to the fabric store, I'm just not drawn to it. But then when you get into your closet, you're like, oh, you know, it would be handy. Is yes. a black skirt, yes. a, a white shirt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I have the same problem. Yes. I went and found a bunch of black um, suiting at the Fashion Institute store. Mm -hmm. They've got things for super cheap. And I just was like, it's not what my heart wants, but I'm going to buy five yards of this. <laughs> and so at least I have it now. <laughs> yes. Yes. That was, that was like my one wise purchase ever. <laughs> yes. I, I completely, completely understand. I am not... I'm not at all excited or inspired by a gray cardigan. I don't. I don't care. You know. know. And, and if I see that made by, but someone, I wear mine exactly, all the yes, time. Exactly. It's one of those things that. Oh well, I'm not inspired by it. But you know, man, I'd really love to have it as I'm sitting here on this freezing plane. You know, as right, I travel yeah. to wherever. You know, so uh, those pieces. As much as I love color and and doing all that, I, I need to sneak in uh, some of those basic basic pieces. So. You know, that's, that's just the, the idea behind doing the collections is having fun, but you know, getting, getting the bit, getting the basics in there too. I agree. Uh, I have to remark on your studio space. It is beautiful. <laughs> it's such a beautiful, like white clean backdrop yes. for your Instagram photos and your blog photos. And it just seems like a really inspiring space that you have. So describe it to us. Tell us, since this isn't a visual well, medium. I know. And I wish it was because I wish I could show everyone I know, um, be this, fun. this room. I love this room. So my husband and I bought our first house last summer. And cool. uh, I know it was very exciting and it was, it was a big deal, of course, for us. So um, in this house, uh, upstairs is a really big loft space. It could be used as a bedroom or a media room or any number of things, but I got it as my, as my sewing studio. And I spent about six weeks, uh, painting the walls. I put up wallpaper. Uh, there are some window benches in here. I, I sanded those down and, oh yeah, painted those. So it got a makeover. Uh -huh. And then, um, I just, I set everything up in here and it is, it's my dream, dream space. It's a pretty big room and there's a lot of natural light, which I love. And I knew I wanted white walls uh, because that's just a good, when there's so much color going on, I didn't want, I didn't want a space that was defined by any color because I go mm -hmm. through such phases. 
with it. So white walls made the most sense to me. It's great for a backdrop. Um, mm -hmm. It just keeps things nice and clean and really shows off whatever colors I'm working with at the time. You have a bunch of uh, dress forms. Out, I do, right? So yes. you can you can kind of stay inspired by your own yes. by your own creativity. I think yes. that's that's a cool way to do it. Yeah, you drape on those. I do drape on them. Um, I've known for a long time that I wanted a bunch of dress forms for display purposes because uh, one thing about me is I'm actually a little bit camera shy, and if you look through my Instagram there will be a handful of studio shots or shots of the process or, you know, something about the garment or fabric or whatever. And then there's a shot of me in something. So you will always see me in what I'm working on, but it's not picture after picture of me in it because that would make me very uncomfortable <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's about the end result, but it's also about the process. And it's also about just showing. We want to see it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And mm -hmm. it's just about showing sewing in a way that really gets people excited to do it. So yes, I use the dress forms to show garments, but I also use, use them to drape and I use them for fitting. I've got one that's almost my, my size. So I do, do use it for that. Mm -hmm. Cool. I have two dress forms, but neither of them are my size. So they're just for keeping things not wrinkled and to mock me <laughs> if I haven't finished something. You can just right. kind of stand in the corner. Right. Are right. you going to come back to this, Elena? Yes. And then I say, you're in the naughty corner. <laughs> Stay over there. Yes. I, I love having the dress forms in here. I just think that they're, they're a lot of fun and they're helpful and, you know, I just, I like having them around. They're fun to dress up. <laughs> cool. Yeah. It's like having big dolls, but yeah. it's your own clothes. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's great. So you wrote an entire blog series so that we can kind of mimic your concept of these collections. Cause I know that that is, it's so compelling for people. I, okay. So I love the contests at pattern review and my favorite contests are the wardrobe contests. And they're like, when you have to make like two bottoms and three tops. They often mix and match. Mm -hmm. um, they're always fun because it's like a puzzle and I get all my fabrics out and I like roll around on my fabrics and that's super fun. I have a very large stash. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's fun for me. I, I barely ever make the deadline, but it's it's a fun concept. But your collection concept is um, is different because the color is so strong mm -hmm. and it doesn't look like everything has to match so that puzzled piece that kind of stumps me sometimes, your silhouettes seem to match up pretty well, right? So your mm -hmm. tops that you're drawn to are going to go with those full skirted things. Yes. And can you mix those pretty well in so your collections? So you're exactly right about that. Um, so what I have learned about my body type and what looks good on me, but so what I feel good in also, but what looks good on my body type is a cinched in waist. So yeah. a lot of times I'll tuck a blouse in that's why I wear so many blouses because they look good tucked into a skirt or tucked into a great trouser that sits at the waist. So now I'm sort of working on things that are the same proportion, but with different tops that don't have to be tucked in. So, oh, interesting. Yes. So, I'm, so maybe it's a crop top, so to speak. But it's yes. not, not crop. Maybe it just hits at the waist. Or maybe mm -hmm. um, I've experimented with wrap blouses that don't have a peplum. Um, you know, things like that. But um, that silhouette. I've, I've had trouble with, yeah, I've had trouble with, like, m making those match up for mm -hmm. me. Because mm -hmm. I don't like to tuck things in. Mm -hmm. But then it's so fun to wear a squishy, a squishy, a swishy skirt. Yeah. Um, squishy too, but yeah. swishy uh, yeah. skirt. And, and what you have to keep that balance. So you do such a good job of keeping that balanced with the, the tucked in and stuff. So I like yeah, to then, tie things around the waist too. I do that a lot oh, because I actually do that in the summer all the time. So it's a great way to wear a blouse and I have a lot of blouses, uh, but it's not tucked in because when it's a hundred degrees, here in Texas, I can't, I can't be tucking things in all oh, that's not realistic, but I also, there's a long list of things that I cannot wear. Mm -hmm. And I touch on that here and there on the blog, you know, for different reasons, it's, we're all comfortable in different things. Um, but there, I can't wear tank tops, for example, I'm not going to wear the 
actual crop top that shows off a lot of midriff. I'm not going to wear shorts. I don't have the legs for shorts, you know, so there's a lot of things that I, for one reason or another, cannot wear. So that's the challenge for me in this whole wardrobe experience is making things without being too redundant, um, but that are things that I can actually wear. You know, I can't, as much as I would love to be a guinea pig and and test out the latest tank top pattern, I'm never going to wear a tank top. So I'm not going to waste my time making it. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what's helped define your style so clearly because it does, like I was saying before, I mean, it just really shines through what you feel good in and what you look good in. And so if you have those kind of defined Mm -hmm. boundaries, I guess, Mm -hmm. like I'm not going to wear this. Mm -hmm. So these other things are what, what I have options for. I think, I think it, I think it works for you. I think you've made it work for you for certain. Well, I, I appreciate hearing that. It's um, I spent I spent a little bit of time trying to force things, you know, trying to say, okay. Oh, we all do. Yeah, right? yeah, Right? Yeah. I can wear mm-hmm. this if, but you cannot mm-hmm. get dressed with contingencies. You cannot say to yourself, okay, I can only wear this if my hair is down or I've got a jacket or I've got this or I've got that. You, you have to have a closet full of things that work for you on their own. Or with other things because they're designed to work with other things. You know, you, mm-hmm. getting dressed with contingencies is is an absolute nightmare and sucks all of the joy out of getting dressed. I know. And I don't want to do it. <laughs> no, I love that piece of advice, actually, because I definitely do that to myself. Mm-hmm. I definitely be like, well, I can wear it if, mm-hmm. you know, this, that, or mm-hmm. the other. Oh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good point. But mm-hmm. I'm going mm-hmm. to um, take that mm-hmm. to heart. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that it was helpful. And I, I think that it's important to be be forthcoming and straightforward with your followers and readers if there are, if you have challenges like that. You know, you it, because I got to a point where I, I don't know, I'd made a bunch of blouses and a bunch of skirts and it, it, even for me, it started to feel a little repetitive and I just needed to say, I, I get on the blog every once in a while and just remind people or or introduced to new followers, listen, you guys, you know, one, one thing that I have to deal with is a scar at the base of my neck and it's about four inches wide. And so for any neckline that is not a jewel neckline, you know, that shows just the collarbone, even I have to be mindful of that scar because I don't, it doesn't need to be seen. So, uh, I have to wear a necklace with any garment that comes comes lower uh, than and shows that scar. So that's that's one thing, um, and that's the reason for the tank tops as well. Oh. You know, scar, scars on my back or you know whatever. And everybody or a lot of people have to deal with something like that. And so when you're honest about okay, here's why I can't wear that. As much as I would love to, and I think it's so cute and it works on so many people. Here's why I can't. There are people out there who have the same thing or something similar, and all you're doing is connecting people. Yes. When mm-hmm. you're honest about that, um, and they're get, I get so many messages anytime I mention something about about my scar. People saying, "Oh my gosh, I've got this too," and it's always uh, a challenge to cover it up or dress around it, or you know whatever the case may be. Um, so I just think that we all have a different different perspective and a different. Uh, different different reasons for why we wear the things that we do and all you do when you're honest about it is is benefit everyone yeah yeah, yeah. and that doesn't take away at all from no, like your no. yeah mm. your core style your yeah. obvious creativity like it's just yeah. like we go to emilyhallman.com we go there for <laughs> the inspiration of that yes. and it's so easy to take from your blog inspiration that I don't usually wear this that same silhouette with the cinched in waist so I kind of like the straight style but the color you can take whatever you want from it right and and that's Mm -hmm. that's why it's so inspiring to go to your website and that's probably why you have so many followers and anyway even if you didn't wear any of the clothes and some of the people don't sew and they don't have access to clothes that look exactly like that because they're all unique and they're you know Mm -hmm. your design specifically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um they are obviously inspired by it too I think it's probably the color and the style. Um, I think it's also the consistency. And again, I'll I'll go back to um, 
the branding. Yeah. Um, you know, because I do have some goals, you know, for my blog and for, for what I'm doing. And, um, anytime that you can stick to your message really well and kind of stay in your lane, uh, you know, and not introduce a lot of, uh, a lot of distractions or a lot of, a lot of issues that don't make sense and aren't relevant. That's Mm -hmm. a good thing, you know, just, and that, and that's not to say don't act like that there aren't any, you don't have other hobbies or interests because we all do. But if Mm -hmm. you're, if your goal with your sewing blog is to sew and make things for yourself, and then all of a sudden you're talking about what you ate for breakfast that day, you're going to alienate people, you know, just, just staying on message, I think is really important. And so there's, there's probably that element to it as well. Just the consistency and okay. We, the predictability, maybe we, we know what we, to yeah. expect. Emily's yeah. going to talk about sewing. That's it. Fun. Yep. <laughs> we look forward to it for sure. So, um, what are your, your goals for the blog? Like I could just see it going any which way. You know, I have already met a bunch of my goals, um, for it. And when I started it two years ago, I had some things in mind, but not really. I started it more, okay, I'm going to make a bunch of my clothes and I'll just, this will be my creative outlet. You know, I'll just put some stuff out there and and that's it. And then pretty quickly realized that there was a little more um, potential to that. But I wanted to work with uh, some brands. Uh, I wanted to work with uh, McCall Pattern Company, and I've done that a couple of times. I wanted to work with Husqvarna Viking, the sewing machine company. I've been a customer and just fan of theirs for a long time. And I won a, a contest of theirs a few years ago. So one of the sewing machines that I have came from oh, that because I won cool. that contest. Yes. So um, I've been using their machine since I was in college and just thought that it would be really neat to be able to work with them in a more more official, official way. So last year I was an ambassador for them. Great. Uh, and this year I'm uh, I'm still working with them on some projects that are, I'll be able to talk about more, uh, this fall. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, and, but now that I have checked a few things off my list, I'm kind of like, okay, what, what can I do? Maybe one day I would write a book. I don't know. You know, um, I, I think oh, I would that, love that. I, well, you know, I, I think never say never. Um, and I think that, this, the concept of what I'm doing is interesting in the sewing community. And uh, there are books out there for sewing a capsule wardrobe on the whole, but it's a minimalist kind of idea. And I appreciate that. And, and I love the concept of, you know, with an eye on sustainability and responsible making. And I think that that's very important, but I think also, this is such a creative, creative thing to do. And I never want to put limits on people. And I never want to impose, this is the right way you should do it. This is, this is wrong. You know, I think because there's sort of, sort of a, I I think that that is um, kind of presumptuous and a little bit I don't know, unless, you know, I, I just don't want to put limits on things and I want to encourage creativity, however that takes shape with people, because I think that when you show them what is possible and you show them, Hey, you can have a closet full of clothes that looked like they came from J crew, but you made them, you know, you have to show inspiring people to do something comes from showing them what's possible. Mm-hmm. So if you've got the color and the the garments and the and the this and that, that's that's it. That's the ticket to to getting people excited about this this thing that we all love sewing. Yeah, I agree. That that is a that's a great goal because if everyone's sewing the same thing, mm-hmm. or if they're sewing piecemeal and they've realized, like I have, that perhaps that's not working for your wardrobe. <laughs> I realized it, it too. <laughs> <laughs> that uh that that new way of looking at things is really inspiring mm-hmm. I got out all my um my fabrics and I kind of grouped them up 
that's why I was asking specifically just selfishly, <laughs> how do we, how do you put those patterns together? Because when I got all my fabrics out that were like in a, in the same color story, I'm like, um, how did she get those patterns put together? Cause I can only stick one pattern in there and then it overwhelms kind of everything else. And I can't, I can't get the other ones in, but I'll um, take a look at the scale and the, um, yeah. like how they're competing with one another yes. a little, a little closer. I, though I don't think that it's totally out of the question if they compete a little, if you're not mm-hmm. wearing them no. together. It, right. Right. Yeah it, yeah. it doesn't. And one, one trick to encourage cohesiveness within a, a collection is to buy enough of a print that you really love uh, to get two garments out of it. Okay. So I've been doing that for a long time. The pattern pattern companies really love me saying that because um, I think a lot of people have started doing that. But if I find a print and it's just absolutely gorgeous and uh, it's a great fabric or, or whatever, whatever the reason is for why I, I really like it, and I know that I can get two garments out of it, I'll get enough yardage to get two garments. So then I then right there, you've got some cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. So you can get a dress out of that print. And then you can also maybe get a skirt or a top or a jacket, you know, or something. So then when you put the group together and you see that print more than once, mm-hmm. there's the element of, uh, of keeping it all, all coordinated. Oh, so. That is a really good tip. I never yeah. do that when I and I because I want to buy all the fabrics. <laughs> yeah. So I so I just buy a little of this and a little of that. So yeah. that's really good advice. Yeah. yeah, I have noticed that some of your um, some of those fabrics they're so beautiful that um, you never did tell us where where you get your fabrics. Like oh, we can talk about. Do you go that online? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Um, for those who don't know, I live in Texas. I live in the um, Austin area, and uh, we do not have a fabric store here besides Joanne. Yep, uh, and Hobby Lobby. That's it for buying things in person. So, um, unless I'm out of town, I order online, and um, my first stop is probably Fashion Fabrics Club. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been shopping there four years since I was in college. Like my, my friends and I discovered it when we were in college and we were like, oh my gosh, look at these prices. This is insane. You know? And so, uh, that's, that's where that started. They do have absolutely fantastic prices. It's like a treasure hunt with them. Yeah, you really the, have to you, dig. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I've noticed that. And yeah. I, if you don't have the time, then you kind of can get yep. frustrated. And um, I'm sure if you shop at a certain store, I've I've been frustrated in the past with knowing how they name their fabrics or their weights of fabrics. And so I'll order something, and in my mind, they have a certain, like a bottom weight or a blouse weight, but in fact, it comes to me and it's the opposite. So do you get a better sense if you always order from the same place, a better sense of like what they name things and, and how it's going to actually come? Yes. Um, I also just sort of know what I'm looking at and that just comes with, you know, looking at fabrics and, and buying things over time. Okay. Um, so I do searches a lot. Um, oh, okay. You so know, you don't so, just randomly. Exactly. So I'll go to a fashion fabric club or fabric.com. They have um, a really great selection of a lot of things over there too, but I'll search for things, you know, so if I'm looking for uh, a specific gingham, maybe a one inch mm-hmm. gingham, or I'm looking for um, a printed linen, I just want to see what printed linen is out there. That's what I'll search for. So more often than not, I'm actually, I'm, I'm searching for things or cotton sateen print. I look yeah. for that a lot. poplin print um you know so i can kind of weed out a lot a lot of things yeah and then for um just the fabrication i also know kind of kind of what i'm looking for and what's maybe better quality um than than other things so once you kind of get a feel for that you can weed out weed out a lot of the a lot of the stuff (laughs) yeah that's that's probably a good idea i always feel like um prints are so hard to find that i i kind of scroll Yep. And then, and then when I find a print that I like, I'm like, well, I'll just buy it. But then when I get it here at home, I'm like, oh, that wasn't the, the hand I wanted or the, you know, the weight that I wanted. And so then my whole design is thrown off. And yep. so, yeah. so that's a good idea to just search for, 
if you're looking for a skirt fabric, you're looking in linens or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Kind of narrow it down and, and search from search from there. You know, and I've sent my fair share of things back to, oh, okay. you know, just because I've ordered something online. I don't always keep it. You know, if it's truly just night and day from how it was described or pictured on the website, I, I don't hesitate to send it back. Um, a lot of the... I've just been shopping with Fashion Fabric Club for so long, which is why I have a lot from them. Um, and I purchased a lot from them when I was in business because I bought wholesale. So their prices are already good, but they were even better as wholesale. So, <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, yeah. So, uh, but a lot comes from there. Um, but I go to Nashville a couple times a year. My parents live there and there is a really fantastic store there. And it's one of those like... Every city need needs one, but they don't really exist anymore. It's just this fantastic brick and mortar shop with a wonderful selection of really good quality fabrics. And the prices are not Fashion Fabrics Club prices, but they're okay. Um, so whenever I go to Nashville, I go there and stock up. Um, Mood is another great place. I think we all shop at Mood here and yes, there. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I don't shop there that much, but I do, I'll go to mood, um, promenade fine fabrics in new Orleans is another one where I've gotten just some, some of the, my most treasured pieces in my closet I have made with fabric from promenade. It's one of those places you go for the special stuff. It's not, it's not every day. It's way too expensive for that. And if Cole is listening, he knows. So I can say that. Um, but, uh, they have just truly, truly special stuff. I think the key to the good fabrics is just buying them over time, you know, not waiting until you're in the moment to find Mm -hmm. something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's the philosophy I live by. Yes. Buy fabric all the time. Whenever you see it, whenever it's presented. (laughs) Okay. I'll buy it. Fine. Yes. Okay. Emily told me to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I know. I'm a horrible influence. <laughs> Very bad. I, I don't need much prodding, let me tell you. <laughs> well, this was really fun. Thank you so much for, for talking with us and sharing all your insights with the listeners. I'm sure they're going to be really, really delighted with all the, the tips and tricks. There's just a couple things that you mentioned that I just like, whoa, that's some some things that you have uh, really articulated that are concise tips that we can just like quickly get into our sewing repertoire, which I love. It's not, yeah, it's not a big conceptual thing. It's like, you know what? Don't have anything in your closet that does, that you need a contingency plan for. I just think that's a, a great tip. Yes. A lot of sewing is just, it's, it's really simple. You know, it doesn't need to be complicated. It Mm -hmm. doesn't need to be, we're not, I don't know anyone who's walking around in couture. So there's no need to, to, you know, I use simple patterns all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, simple stuff makes good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we wear. That's what we that's feel what comfortable we wear. in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you really just have to go with that. Uh, ultimately, it's just about making stuff and having a good time and inspiring other people to sew too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for inspiring us all, Emily. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you guys for having me. Hey, don't go anywhere yet. Coming up, we have Barbara Imodi. She's bringing along her bag of sewing tricks, so you don't want to miss that. But first, I want to remind you that this episode of Clothes Making Mavens has been made possible by Needle Sharp. Have you checked out their sewing kits? Needle Sharp puts together beautiful kits every month, and you can choose from a lightweight box, a medium weight box, or a heavyweight box, depending on how much you want to sew, the types of materials you want to sew with, and what your skill level is. Each box comes with a pattern, a beautiful indie pattern, as well as a choice of curated fabrics that go perfectly with the pattern selected. So you can choose usually from a solid and a pattern or several different colors, and then this beautiful box shows up in your mailbox containing everything you need to sew it. The pattern, the fabric, the matching thread, any notions that you need, and even to top it all off, it's like the cherry on top of the sundae. You get also get the appropriate needle for your sewing machine to make it all work. So thanks Needle Sharp for supporting Clothes Making Mavens, and I highly recommend that our listeners go and check out Needle Sharp at needle-sharp.com. 
Take 10% off your first order with the promo code CLOTHESMAKINGMAVENS. Now over to Barbara. Hi, this is Barbara Modi. I have written a book called Sew the Garment Making Book of Knowledge, very long title, uh, which contains a lot of my vast collection of handy tips and techniques. But I thought I would just do a couple of quick ones for you today. Things that I would probably want to tell, particularly a new sewer, right away to save her a lot of grief and angst. The first one has to do with buying a pattern or choosing a pattern size. One of the realities of female bodies is your frame is not uh, in correlation to your bust size. You can be big boned and have small breasts. You can be small boned and have big breasts. And you have to remember that a garment doesn't just fit your bust. It really has to fit your neck and your shoulders well. And so I would suggest that you buy a pattern for a size that fits your frame as opposed to your breasts and then kind of deal with the, the breast issue later. This is real easy to do. Pattern companies, for some bizarre reason, do men and children's patterns with a chest measurement, but with women they call it bus. Thing is, a, a chest is someone without breasts actually gives you an idea of your bone and, and muscle size, and there's not any opportunity in conventional measuring to do that for women. So take your upper bust measurement, which is under your armpits, across your shoulder blades, you know, right up tight under your armpits, and see what that measurement is. That's the actual measurement of your chest, of, of how big you are as a person. Use that measurement and substitute it for the uh, bust that you see on the pattern envelope, on the measurement chart. And then you'll find, for example, with myself, my a bust measures about 39 inches, but my upper chest measures 36. If I make a pattern for 39, I have this enormous loose neck. I have shoulders falling, the shoulder seems falling off my shoulders, and nothing works. It's very hard to take a pattern in and to adjust it. Actually, one of the rules of pattern making is it's easy to make something larger it's a lot harder to make it smaller. So I buy patterns or I choose a pattern size based on my upper bust, which in my case, how's my math, is uh, you know three inches smaller. Do that and then I make a full bust adjustment. So I actually am sewing my pattern to fit where I'm smallest, always a good rule, and then adding where I am larger. There's a million and one uh, tutorials on how to do a full bust alteration. So if you find your discrepancy is bigger, try this, it makes a big difference. The other thing is it's often we make up a t-shirt or a top and we like everything but the neckline. It's too high, it's too low, it you know, it slides around too much, the v-neck is too high or too low. A really simple trick is if it has a facing, if it's a woven, sew only the facing up. Not a lot of fabric. Slip it on over your head and see how well that facing fits. That will give you an idea what the neckline is going to be before you've invested all your time and effort in the top. You can do the same thing with knits as well, but in that case you would probably just do a little quick trace off of the shoulder and neckline and, and uh, sew those little shoulder seams, stick it over your head and see. And that will allow you to make any fine tuning of the neckline adjustments rather than making the whole thing up and wishing it was different. On sewing machines, I was in a fabric store last week and a woman was talking about a bird's nest. You know, you, your stitches seem okay and you lift them up and the underside is all these, you know, piles of, of kind of knotted bird nesty threads. So everyone in the fabric store was chiming in on the issue. You know, it's maybe it's your lower tension, maybe it's your upper tension. It's not a tension issue. It's a threading issue. And... What happens is if the thread at the top of the machine is not in the tension disc properly, it's like throwing a rope out of a window. You know, the thread's just going to all fall out and pile up underneath. So if you have that issue, the first thing to do is just pull your thread out of the top, re-thread it, and make sure that you're in all your threading guides and between the tension discs. The trick with this one is if you thread with your presser foot 
down. Machines are designed when the, the presser foot is up, the thread tension uh, discs are at the upper thread are open, so you can easily get the thread in, but once the presser foot is lowered, those discs close. If you're threading your machine with the presser foot down, then what is happening is the discs are closed, that thread's not getting in there, so when you start sewing, it'll just all fall right through to the bottom and pack up in the in the bobbin area. So it looks like a lower threading issue. In fact, it's an upper threading issue. Surging. Many of us have broken a serger thread, re-thread it, start sewing, it will sew for, you know, a little ways, and then it will break again. You redo it, and it will break again after you start sewing a bit. You're about ready to lose your mind. All that has happened here is surging threads. When you introduce a new thread, like you re-thread only one looper or needle, is they have to be clear. Just like, you know, when you put something underneath and you pull your bobbin thread out on the sewing machine so they're both free, free and cleared and not looped up before you start sewing, need to do the same thing when you re-thread a serger. So, uh, lift your presser foot, opening your disc, and slide something underneath your presser foot and make sure all of those threads are independent and not, you know, uh, looped around each other and then you should be fine. Another thing is sewing. I have a gazillion of these in my head. I am so happy somebody wants to know some of them. I've been collecting them. In my blog, I have this thing called Flypaper Thoughts, which are like my random thoughts that go by. And some, uh, you know those things in meditation, you're supposed to let drift by like clouds? Well, in my brain, they drift by and they get stuck to something, which Flypaper, which is like from a 1930s movie, is stuff they used to hang around um, so the dead flies would get caught on them. And pretty gross. I remember those from my prairie childhood. Uh, in like really sleazy diners, they'd have these rolls of dead flies hanging on this paper. Anyway, my brain's like looks like that inside. But um, so I have all these, you know, little fly paper sewing uh, tips. So it's so nice to share them. Uh, often sewing sewing uh, instructions will tell you to stitch to the clip. This is a horrible, terrifying instruction because you have clipped your fabric, even if you've stay stitched to protect, and we know the stay stitching when you turn it to the right side will show. I don't actually, for example, point of a V like to stay stitch. I just iron a little bit of fusible interfacing onto the point of the V that will function the same way and then I don't need to worry about uh, having any stay stitching showing when I'm done and then unpicking it and making a hole, which I've done at least a gazillion times. Anyway, they'll tell you to stitch, to clip right to a dot and then to sew along, pivot at that dot exactly at the end of the clip and keep going. This is super hard to do. You miss it. Uh, I actually don't like to pivot uh, too much on an angle. I like to just cross my seams instead. But uh, what I would suggest you do if you find this particularly nerve-wracking is sew, sew down to that dot, put the needle down at the dot, lift your presser foot, and with tiny little scissors, get in there and clip to where the needle is. It is always easier to clip to the stitch than it is to stitch to the clip. Uh, finally, a, a few other things. Um, that I really, there's, I've written something else down here, except I can't read it. It looks like coarseness, which I'm quite sure is not a sewing hand. One of the problems with my handwriting, why I'm so successful in the digital age, is I can do everything by keyboard. So we're going to forget that one and move on to something that I've used recently, sewing shirts, which is you get really complicated sometimes markings that you have to do. And... An example of that is the shirt placket on the bottom of a sleeve in a traditional men's shirt. Don't ask me to sew you a man's shirt right now. I'd, I can sew one and I need about a month of t-shirts sewing before I can face another one. Anyway, except that's the only thing the men in my family want me to sew for them. But that's a whole other story about intergenerational dynamics. Uh, you have a placket area it will have a little stitching box. Sometimes there's dots, there's cutting lines, there's angles. 
you can try to wing it, but then you get really terrible plackets. Listen, if it is a PDF pattern, what you do is you go to that particular page that has the placket and print off a couple extra copies. Um, or if you don't have that, it's a paper pattern, you don't feel like that, just get a little bit of tracing paper and trace off onto paper all those markings. Pin, the, pin your placket piece to the shirt, then pin this uh, paper, printed or drawn, on top of the placket area and uh, where it's supposed to be. Then shorten your stitch length. Um, short, I'd usually shorten it to maybe 1.5 or, or 2 if you're metric. If anybody's sewing on a rocketeer or a vintage machine, you'd probably take it to about a 12. Stitches per inch. Anyway, shorter stitch length. And then you stitch right through the paper. Having shorter stitches means the paper is easier to pull away. And it's also very reinforcing stitch. So you just follow your line. Stitch along the stitching box with your uh, machine. Then take scissors that can cut through paper. Then, you know, slice up that placket and out of diagonally to the corners. Then you rip away the paper. Totally accurate and so easy to do. So that is a few simple uh, tips. I'll figure out the one I can't read later today and save it for another time. But in the meantime, happy sewing. And remember, sewing is easy, instructions are hard, and there's tips that will get you out of trouble. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening.